Hey, everybody listening, we appreciate you uh, being here listening to a River City Podcast Federation Network Pterodactyl Butt Shoe Spoon or whatever podcast you listen to right now. Uh, this is Adam Posse from Chumba and Wumba, which is the podcast you should not be listening to because we only want 20 listeners. But uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, I will be hosting a very special benefit for uh, military brats, which is basically children of people whose parents are serving this country right now uh, at Tsukapalooza number uh, 2017 at 237 Northeast Broadway, the Lagunitas Community Room. There'll be multiple bands, the, the, the Mets... Ryan and Collins and the Eye Rollers will also be there. Lisa James will be there. And I'll be hosting the whole thing, telling jokes and being very silly and 100% sober the entire time. If not, barely any of the time. <laughs> but please come through. It, it supports a great cause. It, it's a good thing to do. It's $20 in advance, 35 at the door. You get a free, sh well, not a free show. You paid for it. You get a wonderful show. You get a meal and you get one beer token with your purchase. So please come through. Uh, we'd love to see you there. And once again, it's for a good cause. That's Sukapalooza 2017 at the Lagunitas Community Room, 237 Northeast Broadway. So I hope to see you there. Cool talk. Growing on my body? 
Are you kidding me? I was like, I know I'm a garbage human, but now I'm rotting trash? The fuck? I was like, that is not a good look. That's too much for one brand, you know? I'm just trying to put a ring on this finger before either of my sisters do. I can't be moldy. <laughs> That's a joke. Both of my sisters are married. So it's just me and the mold! <laughs> Roaming around this earth. Speaking of... Uh, Forever things. Um, baby boomers, can you just quit? Can you just quit? Can you be done? Can you take a seat? Can you die soon? Can you just knock it off? And I get it. Not all, hashtag not all baby boomers. Right. I get it. But I'm pretty certain that like as soon as all of you are gone, racism might end. Like that might be the hope, you know? Be done. I work in an office for the first time and I can't deal with it. I'm younger than everybody there and I just have to look at all these baby boomers' faces every morning. And my desk is right in the front, so I get, I get, like, I have a job that people think I'm the receptionist on, including baby boomer Pam. <laughs> baby boomer Pam came up to me. She goes, Joanne, I'm expecting a package from a gentleman that works at FedEx. He's gonna come here around 12 and you know who he is because his name's Todd and he's black. Okay, you World War II housewife. I will know that this gentleman is coming in because he's gonna be wearing a FedEx shirt. He's gonna tell me his name is Todd and he has a package for you. <laughs> so I just got on my phone and texted every black male I know. I was like, put on a button up and get to my office right the fuck now. <laughs> Todd? Die. Sorry. <laughs> don't want to end like that. I won't. There's a. I don't like Pam. I don't. She's not here. <laughs> it's past her bedtime. <laughs> I'm not good at. I'm not good at office stuff. You guys know that term, resting bitch face. Yeah. Yeah. A terrible thing to say to somebody, right? Resting bitch face. Grow up. Apparently, I must have it. I was at work, and this woman came up to me and she goes, <laughs> I'm sorry, but um, you look mildly unapproachable. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, that's so funny. Because you look massively like a cunt. <laughs> Don't talk to me, I'm at work. I work at customer service. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I don't like it, I don't like it. Um, I am kind of a garbage human, and that's fine. It's working out, me and the mold, we're, we're doing it together. But I did, I did have love for 28 days in my life. Just 28, and I know that because there's 31 days in March, and we lasted a full 28. And you know that moment when you fall in love with somebody? Like that tickling, beautiful moment when you stare in someone's eyes and you're just like, butterflies or moths, I don't care what you like. But I had that moment with this dude I was loving. <laughs> it felt weird. Thank you, Amy Miller, for laughing at that because uh, she knows I'm lying. <laughs> I tried. I tried really hard. I tried to have a relationship for 28 days. I was laying in bed next to this gentleman and uh, it was, we had an exhausting day, a super exhausting day about me bitching about everything and him like saving the world. And we're laying there, and he looks over at me and he goes, babe, 
Can you please do me a favor? And I had just snuggled into bed. And I'm like, okay, Joanne, you can do this, you can do this. Relationship, it takes two, it takes two, right? The, not the movie, it takes two saying, you can do this, just buckle up, just say yes. Just look at him and say yes, you got this. Just put a smile on your face, you already know what your face looks like, say yes. I was like, yeah, babe, what can I do for you? He goes, will you please give me a blowjob? <laughs> oh my God, I thought you were gonna ask me to get up and turn off the light. Yes, lay down. You kidding? I fell in love that moment. That silver plays in my head. What a beautiful, sweet little face. Will you please give me a blowjob? Sure. <laughs> I don't really have to move to do that. That sounds <laughs> super easy. Um, I do like I do like feminism. Anyone else? <laughs> cool. It's now I love that now feminism is just a built-in audience reaction. It's just a clap-worthy thing. It's like yes, trigger word. I'm gonna clap. No, everyone else has to, right? The only person not clapping in the room is like let's kick them. You know, like that's. But I love, I, I do, I, and I think everyone should be a little bit more aware of what's going on in the world as we already are, but you know, get a little bit more active. I went to the Women's March in Washington. <laughs> Thank you, I have a credit card. <laughs> I went, I went, I was so excited, right? It was so honestly beautiful. Don't let the tabloids fool you. There was people from all different walks of life there joining together, and it was beautiful. From literally eight in the morning until 10 at night, roaming the streets, just in unison, having the time of their life. It wasn't the time of our lives, it was really hard. But it was really, really beautiful. And when you're there, there's so many people, you're just kind of packed in like sardines, and you just kind of follow the same crowd throughout the day. And then I always stared at this one woman, she was so old, and her feet looked like they hurt. And I was like, I have bunions, I get it, we're kind of the same. And then she was holding the sign, and in this moment, I was staring at her, and she, dropped her sign down in like defeat, just utter, utter exhaustion that she was here in this moment having to fucking fight for humanistic rights, right? And she pulled this sign down and then something clicked inside of her and she stood up, puffed out her chest and just like half with tears in her eyes, half just like fire out of her mouth, she just goes, you're orange, you're gross, you lost the popular vote! And everyone was like, what? You're our new leader. We are following you forever. And everyone was just yelling, you're orange, you're gross, you lost the popular vote for literally 12 hours. It was exhausting, it was exhilarating is what it was. I mean, can you imagine, we went to that motherfucker's bedroom window, just screaming, just and screaming, you're arch, you're gross! Oh. I, I encourage you to take that and just go to every ex-boyfriend's house that you have. Stand outside their window, just screaming, I don't care what color they are, you're orange, you're gross! You lost the popular vote, nothing matters. Now I'm gonna end on the word, nothing matters. I can't, because now all these shitty Twitter hashtags are rolling through my mind. Okay, we'll do something else. Do one thing, okay? I've been trying to work on this. Control yourself, but trying to work on this. Um, so, round of applause if you take compliments well. <laughs> Good, that one's a self-absorbent one back there, but 
it's hard, right? And so when you meet like festivals like this, you're meeting people and they're like, oh, nice job, get that cute shirt, you know? And then I realized that I'm always saying something that's like super negative constantly. So, so please, please, sir, in the front row, thank you for being so brave. Um, give, give me a rant, look me up and down. This is your time to shine on me. Give me, please give me a compliment. I like your ring. Oh, this, it's actually, turns my finger green, so. <laughs> okay, next. Oh my god, I, thank you, it's moldy. <laughs> so mold. Well, I've done that one, okay, cool. Full circle at back row. You guys ready for an insanely amazing showcase? Um, get your laugh tracks going. It's Sunday night, it's West Nightest Festival. It's been an amazing weekend. We're all in this together. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much. This next comic coming to the stage, what a fucking treat you guys are in. Visiting us from Nashville, give a round of applause starting now for Dusty Slick! All right. Thanks for coming out. I do take compliments well. Sometimes I say thank you when no one's complimented me. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm just pumped to be doing comedy. I used to uh, wait tables. I worked at a seafood restaurant in Charleston, South Carolina called Hyman's, uh, which is located on the same block as a restaurant called Sticky Fingers. <laughs> Not even making that up. And it was owned by a family with the last name Hyman. And uh, I was working in there one day and this lady said to me, she goes, oh, are you one of the Hyman's? I was like, yeah, because they named me Dusty Hyman. <laughs> and the oldest one. <laughs> no one will touch me. All right. This is great. I like to wave like this. I feel like you can really hit a crowd with a wave like this. Uh, but if you want to do individual people, you can still reach out, grab them. You don't want to do that too much. You're like a maniac. You know? My dad waves like this, but he's an alcoholic. <laughs> you don't want to get too high with it. You look like you're asking a question. You're like, hey, and they're like, you, sir. You're like, no, wave it to you. A lot of people make fun of the way I wave, but that's how I was raised. You put it up there, make sure people see it. Also, this wave's kind of like a joke indicator for me. A lot of comics, you know their joke is finished uh, because you'll be laughing. <laughs> Not always the case for me, so I like to throw that up there and let you know it's done. I also used to work at the Home Depot. I don't know if you guys have been there before, but that's a pretty sad place. Uh, the slogan for Home Depot is, you can do it, we can help. And it's vague, but I'm pretty sure they're talking about suicide. <laughs> I appreciate that laugh. That's uh, the evil laugh comes out. I appreciate it. I grew up in Alabama. Uh, that's where I'm from, Alabama. A lot of college football there. Where I come from, you're either an Alabama fan uh, or you went to college, which they love in the South, but I, I don't like to try it here anyway. But I didn't go to college, so roll tide. Roll tide doesn't have the impact in Portland that it does in Alabama. I grew up in a trailer, uh, trailer park, uh, which wasn't that fun. So I'm not sure why they call it a park. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I hear the word park, I think of fun. 
like a water park, an amusement park. That's a good time. We didn't have any water slides in my trailer park. We had like an occasional slip and slide, or like an old tarp with some Dawn dish detergent on it. We put our slip and slide over a tree root one time. Yeah, because we was going to jump it. <laughs> That's not how that works at all. I hit that root, I just got up and got a job. I'm done playing out here. Done playing, period. I got medical bills now. This might surprise you. The thing that was most fun for me about living in a trailer park was tornadoes. Because right? I got to leave. I got to go to a real house. With a family. Food in there. I loved it. I loved going to a real house. I'd be like, man, look at all these bricks in here. The only time I've ever seen a bricks when it came through my window. With a note on it. Said, so cut your grass. That's how they do it in the Mobile Homeowners Association. <laughs> mobile Homeowners Association. I like that joke. Sometimes I like to say it twice because like people don't catch it. Then after the second time, I realized they caught it, just didn't think it was funny. And that's okay. It's okay. I live in Nashville, Tennessee now, and uh, last December we had a tornado warning, and I was listening to the radio, and they were telling us what to do during this tornado warning based on what kind of house you live in. Right? said so if you have a house with a basement, go into the basement. If you have a house without a basement, go into a bathroom or a small room. And they were like, if you live in a trailer park, we want you to go to a neighbor's house or go outside and lay down in the ditch. <laughs> the real news. They're like, listen, we don't know what to tell you. Hell, you made some bad decisions along the way. Now you gotta deal with this. You know, we can't help you. You shouldn't check that credit score. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I know it's raining out there. And that ditch is gonna be full of water. Just get down in it. Yeah, it's December. It's gonna be cold. You're probably gonna get sick. Just get down in there. Yeah, we know you won't have a radio out there, and you won't know when this warning's over. Just stay out there like what's raining, I guess. Just, just get down in there. Maybe wash some of that trailer park filth off of you. That's how it feels. I like that they think that there's a ditch located next to every trailer park. Right? Like it just comes with it. Every trailer park gets their own tornado ditch. No trash in this ditch unless it's white trash. This is a good time. A good time. I like that the other option they give you is to go to a neighbor's house, right? Because I don't know what kind of trailer parks they know about. But the trailer park that I grew up in, my neighbor also lived in a trailer. It's like they just want us to meet up in one, maybe weight it down. This is a good time. This is great. I love it here. I can't stop getting high while I've been here. And uh, I'm doing fine right now, but it's just that the weed is so much better than what I get in Nashville. I've had one joint the whole weekend. I can't get through it. <laughs> and 18 panic attacks, and uh, I'm feeling great, though. <laughs> Making it through. It's great. 
I'm like, I shouldn't smoke it, but I'm like, I can't take it with me, you know? So, it's like the old, I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality. <laughs> Just came up with that here on the spot. I like to go to the gym high. Best thing about going to the gym high is uh, you feel better if you work out less hard. Some people come out with a high. I go in with a high. I feel like I'm getting a little older. All right. I saw this young comic on stage recently and he was uh, talking about the first time that he watched a porn, right? And he was complaining about how slow the download speeds were back then. And it really blew my mind that the first time this guy watched porn was on a computer. Because I know the first time that I watched it, it was on a VHS tape. And my biggest complaint was having to rewind it back to the place where my dad left it at. <laughs> Worst part about that is knowing where your dad left it. <laughs> and you're like, ugh, that's what you're into, huh? That's why mom left. My parents got divorced when I was two. Uh, then there was a custody battle. My mom lost, so I had to go live with her. <laughs> I like how laughter just comes from different places. At different times. I just feel like it's people going, you know what, I'll kick in a laugh now. Yeah, yeah, he, he deserves it. I wasn't real poor growing up, though. I just didn't have everything, you know? Like, I never got ice cream growing up. My mom used to just pour milk into a bowl. Then she'd call me into the room and go, well, you're too late. <laughs> just waiting for those people to come in. Right. You ever go to somebody's house and they got a dog that's barking at you, growling at you, and they go, ah, oh, he won't bite. It's like, why do you think that? Because he's never done it before? Well, maybe today is the day. Because he looks like he wants to bite. They're always like, well, he might lick you to death. I'm like, death? Who say anything about dying? I'm just worried about being bitten. I don't even know why you brought up death. I just think it's a weird idea because the dog looks like it wants to bite you. Right? It's like you show up at somebody's house and there's a guy in there with a knife. He's just doing like this. Huh? Huh? And they're like, oh, he won't stab you. Yeah, he might lick it again. Yeah, he'll settle down in a minute. He's just not used to being around people. All right, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate you coming out. Called my sister Booksmart. 
Do you see the difference? Yeah. Yeah, she's book smart. She's going to college. Street smart. He drinks gasoline. <laughs> she's book smart. 4.0 GPA. Street smart. He knows the name of the street he lives on, and after that, it's a crapshoot. This kid's an idiot. I'm confronted every day with how stupid I am because I keep a Word document open on my computer at all times that has every password for anything I've ever needed a password for. Everything. And, sir, if you had to guess the name of that Word document, what do you think that is? <laughs> Passwords, absolutely correct. You may be wondering, is that password protected? Oh, God, no. Where would I keep that password? It's about simplicity. But do you understand that if someone hacked into my computer and found that, they'd be like, shit, this is a trap. It's not supposed to be this easy. When I lived in Portland, the last uh, apartment I had, my roommate was already living there and he had Game of Thrones maps up on his wall. And for about six months, I just thought that was Europe. That's embarrassing. Just thinking, I finally watched the show, and then I'm just thinking back to all the house parties, just walking around like, yeah, Spain finally got that ice wall. Good for them, good for them. It's about time, I say. <laughs> but all that being said, you know, I'm, I'm 32 now. It's, you know, I'm not gonna turn it around. I'm not gonna be a doctor, I know that. But I do feel like I could marginally increase my intelligence, and I could probably become a, like an urgent care doctor. It's not quite the same, but they both have doctor in it, right? Has anyone ever been to an urgent care doctor? I have. I went one time, and the guy was like, wow, that's pretty messed up, you should go see a real doctor. And I was like, oh, I thought that's what this was. And he was like, no, you should go see like a real one. And I said, for like a second opinion? And he goes, no, it would technically be a first opinion. Just give me a weekend without my phone, a couple Adderall, and a medical journal. I could be an urgent care doctor for sure. They're not allowed to give you anything super crazy. They're just going to give you Tylenol PM regardless of what's going on with you. If you come in and you can't sleep, perfect, they can help you. But if you come in and you're like, my shoulder hurts, they're like, yeah, just go to sleep until it isn't. I'm an urgent care doctor. The only thing I can prescribe is time and darkness. Um, yeah, I lived, I lived uh, in this town for six years. I miss it. Um, the one thing I don't miss, though, so I play, this is kind of weird, I play tennis, and it's, that's a weird hobby. I get that. Um, no one understands me. <laughs> None of my friends. And uh, one of my friends told me, though, he said, I think that tennis is like a perfect combination of chess and boxing. I was like, wow, that's interesting, why would you say that? And he said, because no one watches those sports either. <laughs> Which is a fair point. Um, but it was hard to play tennis in Portland because of the weather and also, this is just the wrong, this is the wrong city to be like, hey, country club sport? Anyone? <laughs> when you guys are playing dodge, done playing dodgeball on the tennis court, they don't even call it tennis court, so like, this is the dodgeball court now. <laughs> So often I would have to play by myself. I would hit against a wall, which is just maybe the saddest thing you can think of. 
sports related, a guy hitting against a wall. It's like, look at Sisyphus out there, just every day, hitting that wall. That's maybe, I tried to think of maybe something sports related more sad, and it was probably like if I went to like a batting cage with just a glove. Um, so I was, I was, this particular incident I was playing, I was practicing my serve, and I framed a ball, which is to say I hit it with the, the frame of the racket instead of the strings. The ball popped out of the tennis court and hit a man in the head. Um, he was the only other guy at this park, so there wasn't like a big whodunit. He knew whodunit. It was me, the only guy playing tennis. And what was kind of made this situation unique was that he was, he was reading a book, he was, lean, he was laying away from me, but I saw it hit his head, hit directly on the head. Like he noticed, he was probably gonna be very upset. I was like, all right, this is Portland, he's gonna give me like a pamphlet about how my actions reverberate and such. Um, so I was prepared for that. But when he turned around, um, his, I saw that his face, his entire face was tattooed as a skull. And not a, not a fun skull, <laughs> if you can believe that. Um, not like a comic, like a very, like a Christopher Nolan directed skull. Just a very cold, clinical skull. Like when he closed his eyes, there were voids, you know, because you don't have bones in your eyes. I'm sorry if you didn't know that. Might be a Zoom care doctor, not sure. But, um, so, <laughs> I have, I can't, it's so hard for me, I'm trying to find the perfect word, I can't, I can't make you as terrified as I was to see a skull, like turning, looking at me, menacing, I was terrified. At first I was like, Jesus, I really hit him with that ball. Like I thought maybe his face just fell off, like toppings on a pizza. <laughs> and I'm, I'm standing there and I realize that I'm this type of person when I get scared. Like there was that show Scare Tactics on for a long time. And what was interesting about that show was that you'd find that people would react to extreme fear in completely different ways. Some people get bigger and they want to fight the thing. Some people just get the fuck out of there. And I found out that I'm one of those people that just, I just freeze. I just like accept my fate, you know what I mean? I'm just like, just cut off my head, I guess. So I was just completely still as he approached me with the tennis ball, okay? And I don't know what to do, right? I've read so many pointless articles about how to, like, punch a shark if it gets close. <laughs> or if a bear comes, you either get big or you become a baby, but I have never heard what you do when a skull approaches you. <laughs> that was nothing, there was not a BuzzFeed article on that. Okay, so uh, he comes up, still just uh, standing there in the court, holds the ball, and he goes, looks like you need someone to play with. <laughs> a cordial skull, a cordial skull. After all this, he threw the ball. I still wasn't moving. It just hit me and rolled away from me. And I didn't even really comprehend what he said to me because of what was on his face. And he said it again. He repeated. He was like, do you want someone to play with? And I thought about it for a second, and then I was like, well, I'm not feeling great about my game, seeing as I hit a person who wasn't even playing tennis. And also, if I've learned nothing from Scandinavian film, it's that I do not play a game with death, right? That's for sure, off the books. 
So he looks at me for a little bit longer and then he goes, I recognize you from somewhere. Now I'm terrified again. Because I'm like, not your list, not your list, not your list. And he goes, I think I, do you do stand-up comedy? Which is, I understand, maybe the most unbelievable part of this story. <laughs> that he would recognize me or even know that I did stand-up. But he said, I, I think you do stand-up. And I was like, yes, I do. And he goes, that's very brave of you. <laughs> Excuse me? Did a skull just compliment me for being brave? I didn't, what, I don't, I was like, I don't, how do you do that? That seems way more brave than what I do. And he goes, oh yeah, sometimes I forget I have this. <laughs> Which I guess is probably true if you have something like that. And he, he, you know, in kind of dropped, for some reason the fear dropped, he, he became more of a person at this point because he explained to me like, yeah, I got, he got this, you know, tattoo 10 years ago. And when he got this tattoo, like his family and friends didn't understand it. They didn't really want to be around him. They didn't understand this. And now he's had it for so long and he, he likes the person he is because of this tattoo. And he, you know, uh, ascribes that it has helped him become the person he wants. And I was like, wow, that's kind of like doing stand-up comedy, oddly. And he goes, plus, this means I'll be single forever. And I'm like, wow, that is the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'll get out of here on this. Um, one of the things I liked about living here most was uh, I picked up pot as a character trait. I enjoyed that. And uh, I, like, I like pot because uh, it's just kind of the perfect drug for me. I don't like alcohol, it makes me feel bad the next day. And I like pot because really there is no side effect other than I act like a weirdo. But that's like a side effect for other people to deal with. So I was like, I'm gonna go buy this hat. Got stoned, went to go buy a hat, thought it was like a big life-changing decision. Felt like it at the time. Went into Lids, that hat store in the mall, we all know. I was trying to decide between two hats I wanted for what I thought was a reasonable amount of time until I got to the counter. The guy was like, do you know how long you've been in here? And I said, no. And he goes, three and a half hours. Thank you guys very much. Enjoy the rest of the show. which I was pretty excited about. And I learned that people who have babies just think they have the best looking baby on planet Earth. My brother thought his baby was so good looking that he submitted it to be the next Gerber baby. Anyone can submit and then he submitted and then he emailed me and he was like, dude, Brett, you gotta vote for my baby to be the next Gerber baby. You gotta vote for him. So what I do, I did. I went online, I went to his baby and I voted for him. And why? because it was family, right? But then that's when I realized that's like the only reason you should be voting in that competition. <laughs> like I hope there's not a guy who's like scrolling through all the babies, giving each one an honest assessment. <laughs> not being creepy, I should be, not being creepy, just being like fair and impartial. 
Just not, he's not a perv, he's a purveyor. <laughs> mm, that's not gonna cut it. Six, crooked nose. Four, great face, but just terrible body. Uh, it'd be an awkward conversation between me and my brother if I treated that competition merit-based. He'd be like, do you vote for my baby? And I'd have to go, I just couldn't in good conscience. Uh, I mean, I respect the integrity of the competition. He, he looks like a fat gargoyle. Meanwhile, let me pull up right here. Lydia from East Lansing, Michigan. Oh my God. <laughs> She's so cute. I made her my wallpaper. Not my computer wallpaper, my actual bedroom wallpaper. It was my birthday recently, and uh, I don't know how to say this, but uh, for my birthday, my mom gave me a massage, and I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, you know what I mean? No, I don't. Well, here's why. No, this is why, because on the one hand, I hate massages, but on the other, I'm like super attracted to her, so. <laughs> Yeah, take the bow with the good. Now do you know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know who hates that joke is my mom. Uh, uh, the only person that hates her more than her is my dad. He's just, he's just gonna be like, that's not classy, Brett. That's just profane comedy. That's just profane comedy. And I'll go, what's the matter, Dad? Afraid of a little competition? And I'll go, oh, God, oh. I don't know why, but in my heart, I have this weird, deep-seated urge to kill him. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> She really did give me a massage, but at a parlor, gift card to a parlor, not a homemade coupon. That would be weird if she gave me a homemade coupon. And she was like, pop that shirt off, bad boy. We don't have that relationship. She breastfeeds me, but that's like par for the course. Um, so I went, to go to the, I went to the parlor. When you go to a massage parlor, they ask what gender masseuse you want. And it's so weird requesting a person. You feel like an emperor. You're just like, fetch me a boy. Bring <laughs> me a boy with fast skin and good teeth and a strong back and a nice jaw. It's so, and, but I did, I requested, I, I, I got a guy, I requested a dude. And I got a dude, cause I was worried if I got a woman, you know, if she touched my body, like she's gonna get aroused. And I didn't want to put, no, I didn't want to put her through that. I didn't want to put her through. But the guy I got was so broy. He was like, "You ever get a bro in the service industry, especially like waiters? Like this is how you can spot the bros in the service industry. They all do one hand gesture. This is the hand gesture of every bro in the service industry. It's a lot of this. Just a waiter that's like, "What's up, guys? Welcome to Fridays." Um, I'm gonna be serving you guys today. Today's special is a lobster bisque with some fennel on top. So you wanna start off with some drink orders? And then they're always so complimentary of whatever you say. You're just like, I'll take a water. They're like, that's sick. Okay, that's sick. Yeah. What? Diet Coke for me. Okay, yeah. I hope that dude is that bro and chill and casual about everything in his life, even the most important moments. He's with a girl, he's like, Hey, Becca, we've been dating for like four and a half years, and every time, uh, every time I look in your eyes, I see the sunrise. So like, I don't know, it's been so ill dating you, and I don't know if you're gonna do this, I got you a ring and some shit, like, 
would you like want to get married or whatever? And she goes, no, it's okay. He goes, okay, that's sick. That's awesome. That's so sick. Yeah, yeah. Do you want a water? I had to shower the other day at a friend's apartment, which I hate doing because half the time when you shower at friends' apartments, it's just impossible to figure out how to turn on. So you're just there, and you're just naked and failing. Like a thief that can't figure out the combination. And then I hate, I hate going in the living room with just a towel on, all bashful, because you failed, just like a, what's up, dude? Couldn't crack the code, so if you don't mind, throw me an extra pair. Well, this is true, one time I was so insecure about not being able to figure out how to turn on a shower that I just took a bath. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm an idiot, so I gotta be an old hag. And he didn't have one of those drain clogs, so all the water, so I had to just like, Flick it onto my, it was a bird bath. I took a bird bath. The technique, this is the technique I utilize. I would cup the water, let it fill, throw it in. I would cup, throw, cup, throw, cup. It was like right here, it was like I was giving my balls like their, their own Neutrogena commercial. And then, and then I laid, and then I was like, I gotta get my hair and face. So what I did is I laid under the faucet and I'm washing my hair. And by the way, washing your hair while laying down, that's the sexiest I've ever felt. I am worth it. And then, and then I went to get my face, and then just water right in the gullet. Just, I don't know what I thought would happen. And so I went, and I, I tried to get smacked my head on the spout and I went, MOTHERFUCKER! 20 seconds passed and then my buddy knocked on the door. He goes, you okay in there? Which by the way, anytime someone feels the need to ask if it's okay in there, it's not okay in there. Because people do not go to random bathroom doors after 30 seconds in silence to check in. And I said, yeah. He goes, I heard a cuss word. I was singing a song. And he goes, are you taking a bath? And I go, yeah. And he said, why? I, I felt backed into a corner, and sometimes when you feel backed into a corner, you reveal true aspects of yourself. And my true self in that moment was, I've just been feeling kind of stressed out lately. I didn't know, I didn't know. I had to cry for help right there. But it came out. And then he goes, you know I jerk off in there, and I went, oh god, oh god, oh my god. And I said, why didn't you tell me? Like, he's gonna tell me that. Heads up, I, I crank it out in there. And I made him come in, turn the shower on, so I took a shower. Do you ever had to take a shower to wash the bath off of you? I had to make sure I was clean with the black light. Uh, that one's a little on the nose. <laughs> that one's a little on the nose. I don't know. There's a lot of, like, political people, PC, uh, some of these jokes, I don't know if they are or not PC, but you know what's interesting about political correctness? Some people hate it so much, they don't even want politicians to be politically correct. Which is crazy to me, because they're in politics, where you make political decisions. 
with political ramifications. You should want people to be correct about the field that they're in. Like, I would like my doctors to be medically correct. I'd actually also like my doctors to be politically correct. I'd hate if he was like, yeah, cholesterol is pretty high, but that's just because Jews are on the media. So I wouldn't be like, this guy's telling it like it is, man. Who gets me? An arguing with a friend, and uh, we were with two friends, and one of them called the other one a racist, and he did the, what's the classic defense if someone's called a racist? Friends, right? So my friends are, I'm not racist, my friends are black. Which, by the way, that's the only thing where to defend yourself, you say your friends with the people you're accused of hurting. Because there could never be a, no, I'm not a pedophile, so my friends are 12, so. Should be in the clear. Uh, you guys are a lot of fun, and I love you. Thank you so much. This episode of Control Yourself Recorded Live was brought to you by GoDaddy. Buy your own domain name, build your own site, use any of GoDaddy businesses tools, and save 30% at www.trygodaddy.com slash control. Go there to save 30%. GoDaddy makes registering domain names fast, simple, and affordable. Find out why so many business owners choose GoDaddy to be their domain name registrar. www.trygodaddy.com slash control. Trusted by 13 million customers, more than any other registrar. Go do it. Go save 30%. Make yourself famous. What up, America? You might not know it yet, but it is your boy, Shane Hosey, host of the Hosey Hustle Podcast. It's a podcast where me and a guest take product ideas, business ideas from you, the audience, and we punch them up, make them better, and get them out ready for the market. Our success stories include cigarettes for dogs, a rock wrapped in leather, sexy airport luggage, and many more. My guests have included host of the Room of Requirement 237 podcast, Caitlin Warehouser, Portland Sweetheart, Mary Newmare, and frequent contributor to the Cracked podcast, Stephen Wilbur, among many others. You can check us out. We are part of the River City Podcast Federation, and you can find us at SoundCloud at Hosey Hustle. You can find us at Twitter at Hosey Hustle and Facebook at Hosey Hustle. That's H-O-S-E-A. H-U-S-T-L-E. Hosey Hustle. Hey, hope you have good markets, and now I'm going to let you get back to whatever the hell it is you were listening to. Here just now? Have you been here? Yeah, fuck yeah, welcome! Wait, mid-bread? Mid-bread! Oh, my t- I thought you said well, we, bread? We okay. okay, well, I'm done. I'm just going to one question. <laughs> Chill. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, you guys, I took my shirt off. We're pitting now. We're really getting in it now. You with us to win this? Fuck yeah. Amazing audience. Your next comic coming to the stage. So excited that they're on this show. I first met this comic uh, at a festival in Chicago years ago, and now she's here for you right the fuck now. Give a warm welcome to the very hilarious from New York City. Hey you guys, you work for your host. She's one of your guys. Okay. Um I I um I am um 
in therapy. Surprise. Um, <laughs> but I remember a couple years ago, one of my friends was like, you seem sad. And I was like, accurate. And she was like, you gotta go to my guy. He's like affordable, he's smart, he's insightful, he's smart, he's affordable, he's affordable. But I was like, um, And I went and like, when I saw him, I was like, this will not do. Uh, he came out and he had all like skinny jeans. <laughs> he had on a denim vest, <laughs> on top of a denim shirt, <laughs> a beard and a bun. And I was like, yeah. like I'm into this obviously, like personally, but not in my healthcare professional. So you're like, no, I'm not. Like I feel like, why are you dressed like this? Are we going to fucking Coachella? Like what's happening? You know, like, I feel like I can't tell you my suicide plan if you know who Childish Gambino is. Like, what are you doing? Yeah? Why? <laughs> He's also hot, too. <laughs> it's like, I'm so sad. Are you hard? <laughs> Can you sexually harass your therapist? Yes! <laughs> they tell you, you can tell them anything, but apparently there are boundaries <laughs> over it, you know? The culture is holding me. No, I'm kidding. I don't. I subscribe to all that shit. Um, <laughs> I kill every day. I love it. Um, okay, I thought that would like in Portland if I said I'd eat kale. I thought you guys would like <laughs> hoist me up. Like she's great, you know. You're all like, ooh, what's kale? We're past that. Um, <laughs> you guys are like collard greens. I don't know. Listen, 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 listen. listen. I am um, I'm uh, Rwandan. Uh, <laughs> uh, why did I left? I don't know. Um, but my mom was, uh, she was, she moved to this country when she was in her 20s. So like in her life, she's been through a lot. Like there's the genocide in 94. There's like, you know, moving to a country where she only knew me and my dad, racism, xenophobia, like this long list of things that she's endured. But if you met her, you would never know she'd been through that because that's how strong she is. But she raised me in the West and weekly I'll call her up and I'm like, mom, I woke up sad this morning and I don't know why. <laughs> you know? And she's great. She's a good mom. She's a great Catholic. She's very supportive. You know? She's always like, oh no, have you prayed? <laughs> I'm always like, I'm agnostic, so maybe. <laughs> she fucking hates that. <laughs> she hates it. But God loves it because I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I don't want to like spoil the Bible for you guys, but like God murders the shit out of a lot of people. Like when he's not happy, you know, you know? It's very uh, direct like that. Um, <laughs> but I did see a psychiatrist recently, and for those of you that are happy, and you're like, what's that? Uh, you go to a person, you tell them your deep, dark secrets, they throw pills at you, and then you're better. <laughs> or not. Um, but I did go, and so they asked you a series of questions. One of the first questions he asked me, he was like, are you in a relationship? And I was like, yeah. He was like, boyfriend? I was like, yeah. He was like, do you love him? And I was like, I don't know. But he said, I'm gonna say it first. <laughs> he didn't laugh. Um, <laughs> he was like, Miss Denise, I just feel like that's inappropriate. And I was like, but doctor, the world is a stage. <laughs> Still didn't like it. Um, Another question he asked me, he was like, do you do drugs? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> unless you're a cop. Inappropriate, yep, 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 yep. Um, and then one of the final questions he asked me, he was like, have you ever had suicidal thoughts? And I was like, well, we're in Queens, so yes. <laughs> I'm kidding, unless you guys are not from Queens, and I'm not kidding at all. Um, and then he was like, I was like, I just, I, and I feel like I, no matter how sad I get, like, 
it just would be hard on my family and friends if I went through with something like that. And this man, and I'm not making this up, he looked at me and then looked at his notepad and he was like, not if you're determined. What? <laughs> but now I want to kill myself so fucking bad. I'm going to do it. You know, just so I can write a suicide note like, thanks Dr. Keating, you taught me to believe in myself. <laughs> I'm gonna hang myself. I don't know if you guys are but cool, 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 cool. You get it, you get it. This is a very open set. I don't know what's happening. Um, I also, uh, my mom's never seen me do stand up because I won't invite her. <laughs> but that's a detail that we don't need to go over. But last year, uh, she was like, I wanna see a video of your stand up. I wanna see it, I wanna see it. And obviously, like, all the comics you're seeing on this festival are tremendous and they're great, but like, you don't know what it, like, no matter how good you are at stand-up, you're gonna have a set where you bomb, where people aren't feeling it. But I don't think you can say you truly bombed until you bomb with a person who's responsible for your existence. You know, like, I don't think you truly know what it's like to bomb until you sat with a person who gave you life. And two minutes into your best clip, she's like, do you do this a lot? So like, <laughs> You know, it's like I finally get the saying, a piece of me died. Because a piece of me is still on my mom's couch trying to explain to her how brilliant my hotel Rwanda Schindler's lisp is. <laughs> She's not on board. Is it because we are in fact Rwanda? I don't know. Again, details are just like, gross, get out of here, you know? I just want to get high. <laughs> Can't be bothered. Um, I have, since I moved to New York, um, I've, I've been going to more auditions uh, because like the median income of like a comedian, like someone who just does stand up, the average comedian is like four Bud Lights, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like my landlord refuses to accept potential as a form of payment, so. Yeah, in these auditions I was assumed like I would be asked to like play like super hyper stereotypical roles, like just to like black it up, you know what I mean? Like, Best case, I'd be like the, of the black girl on Girls that tells Hannah, put your fucking clothes on, bitch. You know? And I don't even talk like that, but for $200,000, I will. <laughs> or, like, worst case, like, fuck, I really have to pay these bills. Like, awful, awful worst case. I'd be like the Popeye's chicken lady, you know, like the millennial one. Um, it's like, hi, baby. I have a degree from Julian, but all these white folks care about is the fact that I'm black. <laughs> She's so rich. Uh, <laughs> I told that joke here, and a comedian, and Nico came with me. He was like, "Oh my god, I see the no, she really has a degree." And I was like, "Oh, from like I don't know, Phoenix University, like where?" He was like, "No, no, no, I saw her play Ophelia," and I was like, "I." I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm so livid for her. If you know her, please send her. Like, we should get a GoFundMe for her. Like, please stop selling your soul. You know what I mean? Like, something needs to be done. I have no money, so I cannot do it. And also, she's a millionaire, so she doesn't give a shit. You know what I mean? But it broke my heart, personally. Um, I think I'll leave you guys with this much. If I have the light, maybe I'll just do a half an hour, you know? Maybe we'll just stay here all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 20 minutes later, you guys are like, fuck. <laughs> Why did we tell this that person to keep going? <laughs> no, um, I got to go to Hawaii a couple years ago, and it was like, great, you know, a highlight for me personally, especially because, like, I have no money. So all of my friends were like, 
you're an obvious poor person, how did you get to Hawaii? And I was like, accurate, accurate, fair, fair, fair. Um, so what happened was, I had a group of friends call me up, and they're like, Sonya, pack your bags, we're going to Hawaii. And I was like, oh, I literally no money. And they were like, don't worry about it, plane ticket, lunch, dinner, what? No, Sonya, you don't have to fuck us to go. Jesus Christ! Sonya, please stop asking who you have to fuck to go, okay? No, it's not a murder pack. What the fuck is a murder pack? <laughs> you can get me. I'm very nimble. You know what I mean? I don't want to live, but like my body does. You know what I mean? So like, don't try it. Unless you want to, then I'll be like, fuck it. You know? because like their lives are so tremendously different from mine. They're like going to like nice like restaurants with like linen and candlelight, places with like old men in bow ties smoking cigars, just like, ah, oh, white privilege, you know? And I should have had a better laugh than you guys. Um, <laughs> they're like, oh. <laughs> no, but first night in Hawaii, I feel like obligated to like return this generous gift so we're at a bar, and I'm like, you guys, no, 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 I got it. I said, I got it, I got it. Bartender. <laughs> Six PBRs, one for each of my friends. <laughs> yeah, they laughed too. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, Sonia, is this one of your little comedy sketches? <laughs> and I was like, you guys got me, right. <laughs> but no, I got it this time. No, no, I got it, I got it. Bartender. <laughs> one martini, six straws, one for each of my friends. <laughs> I've been uninvited to Tahiti, so thank you guys so much for inviting me over night. the video drop-in guests all the time, and tonight is no exception, Bridgetown. This next drop-in guest, oh, one of my favorites, I'm sure yours too, and if not, by the end of this, yes. Cool. Standing ovation? No? Got it. Um, you guys, with warm regards, give a warm fucking welcome to my greatest friend. <laughs> is that why? Is it? It's fine. I'm stalling. Really bad at intros, this is kind of what I do. Give a warm welcome for the very, very hilarious Mr. Curtis Cox! I'm such a disappointing special guest. <laughs> oh, there's people who have like TV and movie credits on. We're gonna give you a guy who lived in this city six months ago. <laughs> Hi, everybody, it's great to be here. <laughs> I want to talk about, I want, all right, I am a black person, but I have to say it to you guys before I tell a race joke. Otherwise, everybody's like, yo, this Indian kid is super racist. I, like, I'm aware that I look like the Taliban's jazz instructor. <laughs> but I've been having a hard time with race recently. You're laughing too hard. <laughs> oh, thanks, I'm a very special guest. <laughs> But I've been having a hard time in my relationship because I'm in a very specific kind of mixed race relationship. Like I'm half black and half white, and my girlfriend is also half black and half white. But I am the normal kind with a black dad and a white mom. <laughs> and 
She's the trash kind with the white tag. <laughs> the first white people to ever laugh at that joke. <laughs> Every time I tell that white people, like, fuck you, we're not getting involved. <laughs> but just as a rule of thumb, if you got a white dad, you're garbage. Because <laughs> especially if you're the white father or a mixed race child, because that means you went into the black community and you stole a black woman, something precious and beautiful. All right, but if you're a white mom, that means you gave somebody a chance. <laughs> My girlfriend hates that joke so much. And the first time we were goofing off in bed, I was, because she's lighter skinned than me, and I was just playing around, and I was like, ha you're lighter skinned than me because you got a white dad, and that's how science works. And I was like, what a dumb thing, I'll say it on stage, everyone will know I'm joking. But I told that joke on Friday when I got back to Portland, and afterwards three different white dudes came up to me. They're like, yo, that makes perfect sense because men have stronger genes. I was like, oh no. <laughs> Using sexism to defend racism, how deep does this rabbit hole go? <laughs> but then I took it too far, because we were playing around. I just found out that my girlfriend is a C-section baby, so I was like, that's how fucked up you are, is you couldn't be born like a human child. You had to be ripped from your mother's womb with sex. <laughs> and I thought she would think it was cute, but she got mad. <laughs> she was like, yeah, you got a white mom. People with white moms have dumb hair and they don't know how to use lotion. I said, oh. <laughs> Baby, I thought we was playing over here. <laughs> people's feelings. She was great. It's scary though. We're terrible. We've been talking. We're trying to have a baby. She doesn't know that. <laughs> We're still using condoms, but like I clench a little harder every time I come, just so I can like bust through the con like, cause I, you know, I don't want to lie to her, but accidents happen, and like I don't feel like I have that much time left in me, so I'm trying to like make another one. There's not like a reason I'm even here, but I think you know, this is a conversation I should have with her, and not with you guys. <laughs> But we're terrified because like the only time it's ever in the news when two mixed people have kids is when they have those fucked up mixed twins and one is black and one is white. And like as a parent, I am prepared to love one child more than the other. <laughs> I want them to know why. <laughs> but it's been we've been thinking about it a lot because like the other day we we're gonna have a date night where we we're gonna watch some Netflix and drink some wine. I was hoping we'd both both go down on each other, cuddle up, go to bed. It was gonna be great. And I was like, it's your turn to pick the movie, baby. And she picked a documentary about the civil rights movement, which is like, nobody's getting their genitals touched after that. <laughs> it's just a really bummer. And we're watching it, and there's a section where they're trying to arrest Huey Newton, the leader of the Black Panthers organization. So a bunch of police officers roll up to the house where he's staying, and a kid comes out holding something in his hands. Without a second question, they riddle his body full of bullet holes, and when the smoke clears, it turns out it's a 15-year-old genius who's attending law school. And he's holding a law book and explaining to the police all the reasons they can't be there. And it was a watershed moment for the civil rights movement because it taught people that not just regular black people were dying, but educated black people. And that pissed me off because it shouldn't have mattered how smart this kid was. He was a child that got gunned down the street for nothing. And it made me realize that all these years later, there's nothing I can do if a police officer decides to kill me. But what I can do is make sure that I get killed with a really good book on my person. <laughs> so I was like, what's a book that white people care about? And at first I was like, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> but then I was like, that's not cool, because if I can kill with that book, they're just gonna think I'm a giant Palestinian autistic kid and nobody's gonna give a fuck. So I was like, what's another book? And I went to a Goodwill. I was like, I'm gonna go into this Goodwill. I'm gonna get the fanciest book that they have, which was unfortunate, because the fanciest book there was a copy of the Quran, which was like two step backwards, safety-wise. 
And then I saw they had a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird, so I decided to get that. It's a very clear, classic, traditional race story about America. But I think it might have been a mistake because white people think that the moral of To Kill a Mockingbird is that racism is wrong. And black people know that the moral of To Kill a Mockingbird is that if you ever talk to a white woman in public, you will be murdered. <laughs> but I got, and there's a section in the book where like they kill the black guy and Atticus's Finch goes up to, uh, Atticus Finch's son comes up to him and is like dad why do they do this and Atticus says I don't know son but they've done it before and they'll do it again and it seems like when this happened only children cry and I dog-eared that page because if I do get shot with that book on my person I gotta make sure I bleed on that page I'm gonna be so famous like I just want to be one of them up like who was that kid they killed in Cleveland all right, I want to be more famous than that nigga. <laughs> Emmett Till famous. If I ever make a beer koozie, it's gonna say Emmett Till famous, and I'm gonna hand it out at colleges. I'm losing you guys. <laughs> so I keep that book in my glove compartment. The other day I got pulled over for doing 60 to 55, and the police officer came up to the car, and he asked for my license and registration. I do the thing where you put both hands on the steering wheel, and you say, okay, I'm going to give you my license and registration now, because you don't want to scare him by doing what he told you to do. So I give him my information, I take the copy of To Kill a Mockingbird, and I put it on my lap, and he's like, son, what is that for? And I'm like, oh, this is so that if you kill me, you look like a real asshole. <laughs> Without missing a beat, he just took a step back and put his hand on his gun and was like, young man, if I kill you, I'll just take the book. <laughs> this is why you're in charge, you fucking script. <laughs> And then he was like, you know what, it really bothers me just because a few people in uniform made mistakes that we all have to be labeled as criminals. And I was like, yo bro, us too though, is the thing. <laughs> and he was like, well I hope that one day we can look at each other as human beings despite our uniform and despite our race and realize that we're all people. And I thought that was a really beautiful thing. And for this moment, I was looking at him as a person and not a threat. And he was looking at me as a person and not a threat. And it was this really beautiful, precious, rare moment that I never thought I'd have with a police officer. And then, that motherfucker still gave me a ticket. <laughs> I thought we had something, dude. He was like, yeah, I already started writing. <laughs> All right, give it up for Joanne. Thanks, guys. You guys, in the back, everyone's talking about how great you are. So round of applause for yourselves for being a fucking amazing audience. Truly. Some people will lie to you. I will not. Amazing. Thank you for coming out. We got a few more comics left. This next comic coming to the stage, so excited that they're here, uh, was a writer for the White House Correspondence Dinner recently and tried the insult dog. You guys know what's up. Let's lose our fucking minds for the very hilarious Raj Desai, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, I feel like every time I ask people what kind of music, they like they always say the same generic thing. You know, they're always like, "Oh, I like all kinds of music. You know, I listen to everything." But uh, not me. I am very, very particular about the kind of music I listen to. Yeah. In fact, I will only listen to music that starts with someone saying, "Y'all ready for this?" That's it. You don't ask if I'm ready for it first. Don't play me your dumb fucking song, okay? I'm not interested. Uh, I have a lot of friends who tell me they have days or like an episode of Seinfeld. We've all heard that, right? I think I must be a lot less interesting than my friends because I've only ever had days that are like an episode of Reba. 
Recently, the television program Reba stars country musician and legendary comedic actress Reba McIntyre. I don't really watch it. You can probably tell. I guess I'm being a condescending jerk, but uh, I don't really watch it. But I have Time Warner cable. I don't know what you guys have in Portland. I live in LA. That we have Time Warner cable, and they run it all the time on like three channels constantly, like Lifetime. I don't know TV Land. I don't know what. So I love to read Reba episodes some reason on my Time Warner guy. If you got Time Warner, do yourselves a favor, hit that info button, read that episode summary, because whoever they put in charge of it at Time Warner clearly does not give a fuck and has no supervision whatsoever. And uh, my favorite Reba episode summary of all time, all it said was Reba cooks too much pasta. That was it. Let it elaborate. And uh, Reba got herself into that one. And uh, a couple weeks later, I was making some spaghetti. I couldn't finish it all, and I was like, yo, this is just like an episode of Reba. <laughs> episode 201, too much pasta. My favorite. Uh, I am trying to watch less TV. Uh, I'm trying to read more. I definitely believe the old saying that you should not judge a book by its cover. But I do think you should judge a book by the photo of the author on the book jacket. You know? <laughs> Because uh, there is no way I'm reading a book that was written by some uggo. <laughs> right? We gotta have some standards, bruh. Uh, I am a comedian. Whenever comedians die, people always say the same thing. They're always like, oh, you know, she's up there in heaven making God laugh. He's up there killing it in God's comedy club. And uh, it dawned on me today that I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and I could be showcasing for God this Tuesday. <laughs> and I am starting to get nervous, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, I bomb plenty. You do not want to bomb in front of your own creator. That's, that's got to be the worst bomb of all time, right? That's already bad enough. But then you think about it, you think God has literally seen and heard everything, right? You gotta bring some curveballs to God's comedy club. You can't go up there with some jokes about Tinder. You know, you gotta bring some stuff God has not heard. But worst of all, all of God's creatures will be there, right? You can have like a table of squids, a stegosaurus, and Eleanor Roosevelt. You gotta make them all laugh at the same stuff. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, squids don't watch Reba. So I think I could be in trouble. I think I could be in for a lifetime spent. Eternity spent in God's temp agency. Uh, whenever something bad happens to me, speaking of God, I always try to figure out what God's plan was behind it, right? Because like, I feel like we can all admit that we learn more from our struggles and our bad times and our struggles than anything else, right? I can always come up with a pretty good reason why I'm going through something difficult, what I'm supposed to learn from it, with uh, one exception, uh, which is over the years, I've been hit in the nuts a lot. And I could not figure out what God's plan was behind all these nut shots I've been taking over the years. But I think I figured out because a couple weeks ago I was walking across the street, I almost hit by this delivery truck, and I thought I was going to die. And my life flashed right before my eyes. And at the very end of it was a hilarious blooper reel of all these nut shots I've been taking. What a way to go out! With a veritable Tosh.0, right before you die. Um, I, uh, I think I'm done watching action movies. You guys like, I, who cares? I, I really don't care if you like action movies. I just don't watch them anymore. 
I feel like they always have this, most of them have the same basic plot. It's about like a group of notorious bad guys who've been bad guying it up for a long time, but this time they mess with the wrong guy. You know, it's always the plot. They mess with the wrong guy this time. And it turns out to be like Liam Neeson, and he knows karate and how to track people down or whatever. I just have seen that movie too many times. I want to see an action movie where they mess with the right guy. That's a movie I would like to see. Send us one million dollars, you'd never see your daughter again. Okay, you guys take money order? And it's just 90 minutes of Liam Neeson getting a money order. That's a movie. I would pay $17 to see Liam Neeson have to get a money order. It'd be very interesting. I love action. My favorite thing about action movies is that the action hero, even though he's in an action movie, has to be talked back into action heroing. Like every time. You know, like the guy from the CIA has to visit him, or his old partner or something, and convince him, you know? And uh, this may sound ridiculous, but I used to work at Pizza Hut uh, when I was 16 and 21. I cut pizzas there, and I was fantastic at cutting pizzas. I'm not, I, I mean, I, I, I wish, I don't know if I'm bragging or saying something embarrassing, but I think I was born to cut and box these pizzas. You gotta realize, when it's busy, like on a Friday or Saturday, you basically have to cut and box like four pizzas at once. It's not easy. And I was really good at it. Uh, multiple managers told me I was the best uh, cut man they'd ever seen in their time. And I would like to think that someday I'll just be at the park playing with my kids or something, and I'll get a phone call from Todd, my old manager, at Pizza Hut, store location 16701 in Arlington, Texas. I'd like to sign. We need you, man. But Todd, I told you, I'm out of the game. Desai, you don't understand, it's Super Bowl Sunday, we got a two large, two topping pizza deal going on. Only you can help. I told you, Todd, I don't fucking cut pizzas anymore. What if I told you it's the Russians who are eating these pizzas? You tell them they mess with the wrong guy. Um, speaking of movies, I saw this movie, Force Majeure. You guys ever see this movie? Very interesting movie. It's a Swedish film that got all this critical acclaim. I checked it out. It's on Netflix. It's worth your time. But it has one of those ambiguous endings where, like, the audience is supposed to bring their own interpretation to how the ending is supposed to be, you know, how the ending is, or how it ended, or whatever. And uh, this, I do not care for in movies, you know? Because it's like, I put your movie on to relax. And I'm gonna solve your dumb fucking third act problems? Just like, give me a break, yeah? Anyway, uh, so whenever I get one of those movies, I just give it a shitty ending and ruin it out of spite. Like, to me, the movie Lost in Translation ends with uh, Bill Murray racing through his seats of Tokyo, catching up to Scarlett Johansson, leaning your ear and saying, uh, bye! <laughs> that your movie is stupid, and all the buildup was worth wasn't worth it. I mean, like that. Um, I because uh, uh, obviously um, Donald Trump is president. Whatever you think of, I'm sure I know what everyone here thinks, but whatever. Just pretend I'm at the comedy store. Whatever you think of him, uh, you gotta admit it's just weird that he's president, right? Just weird. You know, you have this reality show and he's total or whatever. It's just weird. And to me, the weirdest thing is watching President Obama be nice to him, right? Like at the inauguration, 
and like after the election, he was so nice to this guy who said, in, you know, incredibly offensive things about him, right? Like he said all this crazy stuff about him. Like remember Donald Trump said that President Obama was the MVP of ISIS. Remember, come the MVP of ISIS. That's crazy talk, right? I mean, how could he say anything like that with the season that Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi has been having? <laughs> Is this guy even watching ISIS this season? If you turn on ISIS Center every now and then, you might learn something. They run it 30 times a day. Uh, I, uh, I do live in LA and I'm a comedian, but my real dream is to break into serious dramatic acting. And, uh, happy to say, I think I finally caught my big break. I was recently cast as Hamlet. It's gonna be in a movie called Medea Goes to See Hamlet. <laughs> Pretty intense, gritty drama. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a writer as well as a stand-up, and um, I feel really sorry for people who write like really serious, dramatic movies, you know. And then some uh, porno company comes along, and they take the title, and they just turn to some gross porno. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like the movie Goodwill Hunting was turned into Goodwill Humping. The movie Saving Private Ryan was turned to Shaving Ryan's Privates. Anyway, I hope the same thing doesn't happen in the movie that I'm writing. It's called Gum on My Vase, Volume 6. Yeah? That's such a great idea for a movie. You hate to see it ruined. Don't you remember that gum got on that vase? Sick for the sixth time! cheeses me off about Hollywood is all the nepotism, right? You know, like, uh, uh, gold, uh, you know, like, uh, what's, uh, Kai, what's Goldie Hawn's daughter? What's her name? Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. <laughs> Goldie Hawn is Kate Hudson's mom, right? Like, that's an example. And, uh, and Charlie Sheen's, Charlie Sheen's dad is Martin Sheen. But the one I read that really cheesed me off was I read that Wilson the Volleyball from Castaway, his dad is the Volleyball from Top Gun. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not even a Volleyball. Okay, thank you very much. Two 
like video cassettes for our VCR, and one of them was Project X, that Matthew Broderick movie, and another one was Top Gun. And I watched it all the time. I, Top Gun was like my favorite movie from like nine to about 13. I didn't know I was gay until I was 34. I didn't know. I thought that that scene was telling me what I enjoyed about men, and no, it was showing me what gay men do and what I will enjoy watching them do for the sidelines for the rest of my adult life. No, Caitlin, you don't want to sleep with them. You want to watch them play and then go get drinks later. And then go home to your girlfriend and your dog. Because of course you yeah. have a girlfriend and a dog, the informal lesbian wedding ring. Um, <laughs> what we used to do. Uh, I actually love action movies uh, for the exact reasons that Rush hates them. Uh, I love how bad and unpredictable they are. Did I go to see The Fate of the Furious opening night with Coronas to sneak in for family? Yes, I did! <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I don't need it to be good. It's parody of male emotion. It is an exaggeration. It's all the things you're not allowed to say or feel. It's just bright and loud enough for us not to know you're crying. We know! I like it. I was going to take a less socially conscious angle, and then I remembered where I was. <laughs> bang, bang, boom is fun. Wait, you're in Portland. Take advantage of the moment. This happened last night, and you deserve to hear about it. Last night, I did a show at the Paris Theater, and directly around the corner, there was some uh, people who walked up uh, where if they were carrying skateboards, I wouldn't have been surprised, and I would have been afraid of it as a weapon. Do you know the person I'm talking about? Yeah. It just was three guys walking together, and one was walking ahead to avoid what was happening behind him because the two other men were having a bit of a, uh, a heated exchange. One said to the other, Bro! Bro! And I was like, oh. Should I get my phone, or should I just watch? Should I get tape, or should I just observe this? But I just observed. Bro, man, this whole night, I feel like you've been really condescending and inconsiderate. I've been feeling this way for about two and a half, three hours now, and I'm gonna have to separate myself from this situation because I care about you, and I want to stay friends. That's fucking verbatim. Feedback uh, was at first slightly defensive. No, I'm just joking around, man. No, you've been more than joking around. I heard, was it the thing about the tattoos? No, it started when we were playing pool. I was like, oh, that was a while ago. <laughs> the man being confronted uh, just, you know, squared his shoulders up, locked eyes. He's like, I apologize. <laughs> said, if we can keep hanging out unless you're uncomfortable. <laughs> that was what happened. And then the rest seemed too intimate for me to watch. Like, I honestly gave them their privacy after that. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> Even your bros. Even your bros, Portland. <laughs> Stay with what's freshest. This is another thing that actually happened to me. You know, there'll be real jokes when I don't tell you when they happened. <laughs> this one's still the batter. Someday I'll bake it. But 
I host the show on Tuesday nights, and last Tuesday night, that's how real it is, I was driving to host that show, and I was getting myself pumped, ready to go, and I turned on my, my car stereo, and I blasted my current pump-up jam. You know what it is. It's RuPaul. What do you call her? You call her mother. It was Call Me Mother. <laughs> By Ru, my mother, Paul. <laughs> Ru just released a new album, but no, she didn't. She released a single with an album around it. That's song. <laughs> it should have just been that song 12 times. <laughs> I was listening so loud, and it's such a good fucking song. It's so good. It comes on, and I feel it's doing that dance music thing. Where I'm driving, I know the route. I get on Melrose, I drive on Melrose, and I don't stop until I'm at the club. I know where I'm going. I just wait, I just, I phase out, and I'm fantasizing. I'm just in full fantasy. I'm in full fantasy. Route is taking me to the club, and the song starts, and I swing open the door, and I walk in, and I'm looking so fly, and I'm feeling it. In my mind, I'm just feeling it, and the music. Pulls me out of the dance floor because it's a good song and like I'm voguing because in my dreams I know how to vogue and I'm looking so good and so fresh and the song builds because it's a good dance song and it's building and the beginning gets everybody onto the floor and it gives you about a minute to dance but then baby there's a break and then the break that's when the fucking hot dance moves start right when that break happens that's when everybody shows up their freshest moves so I'm in my fantasy and I feel that break coming and I get out of the way to make room for the circle of dancers who will want to dance. My own fantasy, I just made room and then started encouraging them. I was not involved in my own fantasies while I masturbated, like I wasn't invited. <laughs> so my own private part, and I wouldn't, really would have fantasies where like, I'd be watching two people have sex in my mind, and I, a me, would be allowed to look for a minute, and then I would have to go. So I could go in, and I remember vividly the day uh, when I allowed myself, I've lost 100 pounds in my life, I only gained half of it back. Listen, bodies change over time. But I do remember a time in my life when I permitted myself to be in my own fantasies that allowed me to come to sexual satisfaction on my own terms. And I wonder, I wonder if someday I'll let myself dance. Um, that one was for me, but This is another thing that happened in the recent past. Uh, I took a trip. I'm having a little bit of fear and anxiety regarding traveling in Trump's America. You know I'm a lesbian because you can see me. So does everyone else everywhere. Everywhere always. And it's, I didn't want to be scared. I don't want to be scared. I have to love you. To do my job, I have to love you. If you're in those seats, I love you. That's how this works. It's the only way I can make you laugh. I can't love you if I'm afraid of you. I can't be afraid! So I have to travel. <laughs> and I'm very I'm surprised by the response I've had. I... I, I, <laughs> I I didn't know where I would find a way to lose my fear. I didn't know what would happen to, to shake that, and it came in an unexpected place. I uh, took a trip to Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, oops, I love Las Vegas. Oops. I didn't mean to. I didn't go to Las Vegas to love it. I went to enjoy it ironically. I was going to Vegas to be a hipster monster asshole. I was going there to judge and watch the people who enjoy it enthusiastically. I wanted to sit back and mock them and their choices, and I was there about 10 minutes everything changed. I was there for about 10 minutes before I was drinking out of a football in the street. Yeah! Oh my 
discovered she loves gambling for eight hours straight, drinking free booze and chain smoking. That is I chose not to fly. I drove so I could go to Seven Feathers Casino in Southern <laughs> I love craps. And here's all you need to know about craps if you've never played. If I am winning, you are winning. When you win, I win. The egalitarian game. The rising tide lifts all the boats. I just learned how to play. I was fucking loving it. I was gambling at a table full of people and I'm focused because there's real money. There's money. I'm playing with money and there's all these chips and I have all these bets out and somebody's throwing and it's going well. Like they keep handing me things to count and hold and all the chips are pretty cool. It's not, I'm getting money. They just keep handing it to me and I'm putting more out and I'm getting more in and I'm stacking it on the little ledge and it's very exciting. Everybody's cheering and we're all so excited. And finally, I had a chance to look up and see who was throwing and it was just a guy in a Make America Great Again hat. <laughs> I would have kissed him square on the mouth. <laughs> give me $85 and 90 seconds. I threw, I won, he cheered for me. He can see me, he knows what I am. <laughs> I want us to remember that it might not be the best of us that heals our divide. Do you know what I'm talking about? It might not be our highest ideals or our best behavior. It might not be a brilliant policy or a speech that brings us back together and unites us once again. It might just be realizing that we are all grubby monsters who want to turn a nickel into a dollar. That's all of us. See you in Vegas, baby. Control yourself. You ready for your headliner comic on this bill? Yes, you are! You've got an incredible audience. Thank you so much. This final comic coming on the stage. Check out um, the True TV, TV show, talk show, the game show. You guys, give a warm, fucking incredible welcome for the incredible Guy Branagh! Kaylin was just discussing uh, going to Las Vegas. Uh, if you go to Las Vegas or Atlantic City or any of your other major gambling cities, uh, you will not find gay men there. You will never find gay men there. Periodically, those cities will try to figure out how to get gay men to come because we are notorious for having disposable incomes that we love to throw at things, and they will try to make us come. And um, gay men will never end up going to a gambling city. Would you guys like to know why? Because gay men do not like to gamble with our money. We gamble with our health. Why would I go all the way to Nevada when I could simply squat behind a bush somewhere here in Portland blow some guy, and then get all of the thrill two weeks later when I do not have syphilis. <laughs> this has been a very fun show. Um, my favorite part of the show was when, it was a while ago if you guys remember, when the tall, young, heterosexual white guy 
implied that he is so heterosexual, he has forgotten how to take a bath. <laughs> he had a whole bit about how he doesn't know how to take a bath now because he's very straight and he's over six feet tall and he maybe played JV lacrosse. <laughs> like somehow that means he was not four. We were all four. We understand you don't put your face underneath the like spigot thing unless your mom is holding the back of your head. We've been through that. And then he, he got very upset that his buddy had um, jizzed in his bathtub as though there is a bathtub that has not been jizzed in. That's what they are for! Also, they are bathtubs. They are washed out constantly. It's fine. Also, sorry, but you've got to learn somewhere. There's jizz everywhere. And men don't get to be upset about that because we're the ones who put it everywhere. Like, that is our responsibility, we have to know that. And somehow men are always the ones who are the most upset about where Jizz is. Um, and it bothers me a lot as a gay man, the way that we talk about these things. Like, there was the whole thing with um, the Stephen Colbert joke where he said that uh, Trump's mouth was a cock holster for uh, Putin. And, like, a lot of people, I, like, I don't think it's terrible. I love Stephen Colbert. But people were saying like, oh, he was just talking about the power dynamics of sex. What? Fuck you. First of all, if I were going to make the hack-trite joke, it would be, what's a more powerful position than having someone's genitals between your teeth? Like, that's not a submissive position. You're kind of in control there. But also, like, I'm tired of us all having to behave as though, like, doing all of the girl work in sex is like this horrible indignity that we all just have to get through because we're in a Margaret Atwood novel. No, fuck you. Like, why do you want someone to trudge through their sexual relations with you as though it were an indignity? Don't you want people to show up excited? Like, it kind of pisses me off as a gay man. Because, like, also I should not be doing this on a podcast that is recorded. Um, but like, I feel like heterosexual women, however much it is made an indignity for you guys, there's also this sense that like, that's just what normalcy is, and so it's like, well I guess I better do it or else he'll take what he wants. Um, but like, as a gay man, I had to fight tooth and nail, but not so much with the teeth, for the right to blow guys, okay? I had to do very hard, like, civil rights and emotional family work to get to a point where I could have just showered down upon me. And to me, it does not feel like indignity. It feels like sweet, sweet freedom. Another thing I'm not supposed to say, Caitlin was talking about the experience of having sexual fantasies where you participate only as an observer. God knows I had those. But also, like the best part of having 
gay sexual fantasies as like a 15 year old is figuring out how you swindled someone into being gay. Like figuring out how you manipulated or made it possible for one of the guys from your high school to possibly touch a dick. And I know you probably think that that's horrible or terrible and um, that I was trying to be a sexual predator as a 15 year old. And I would like to say in response, maybe you shouldn't have made being gay illegal back then. Maybe you shouldn't have talked about how gross it was. Then maybe I could have had a cool set of teenage years. Instead, I got to be the broken flower that I am. <laughs> no, that doesn't deserve that. I'm just ranting now. <laughs> Who here has an iPhone? Oh, you're raising your hands. Are you in a sociology class? Do you want me to have a conversation with you? Also, are those gentle bell bottoms? Are those from 10 years in the past or four years in the future? Um, okay. Um, I have an iPhone. Who here has ever dropped their iPhone in water? Okay. Um, I recently put um, my iPhone into uh, the, the washing machine. And you're probably like, God, you seem so together. How could that possibly be true? Um, well, suffice it to say that in each and every one of our lives, an event will happen where you need to put your pants in boiling water as quickly as is humanly possible. And one of those happened to me last September. Um, and so I, I, I got home, I got my pants in the washing machine. It was like one of those newfangled front-loading washing machines where you can look into it. And I like got them in and I turned it on and I like breathed and just had a moment with myself. Uh, and then I looked in and I saw my iPhone bobbing in the water, glowing, like just glowing through the water. And it was terrifying, it was horrifying. Um, and I, I like tried to open the washing machine, but it was like a front-loading washing machine that like locks and you can't open it up. And I was trying to do some research to figure out how to open the washing machine, but my iPhone was in the washing machine. So, it, like I unplugged it, it took like 15 minutes, and then the water drained and I was able to take it out. And what are you supposed to do with an iPhone that has been in water? Rice. Rice. Put it in rice. How racist is it that we even make Asian food do tech support work? I'm not comfortable even discussing it, but have we tested the boundaries of this yet? If I just slip my MacBook into a vat of kimchi, will it load El Capitan for me? I don't want to know. Um, so, that election happened, um, and here's the thing, okay, so first of all, let's establish that I am Jewish. No one ever thinks that I am Jewish because I do not look physically weak. Um, and an important thing to understand about the Jews as a people is that every Jew 
who ever said, this'll blow over, died horribly. <laughs> Every Jew who ever said, it's not that big of a deal, got turned into soap. Um, and so what that means, if you understand the laws of natural selection, is that slowly, over time, all of these same genes have been removed from Jews. So all that remains is just a quivering genetic code that is constantly warning me of danger around every corner. Which means the moment Donald Trump was elected, my first thought was, I should swallow my rings. That just, on anything valuable that you have, swallow it. Ditch $700 inside the lining of your coat and then cross a border, any border. <laughs> that is how, hey, that is how my, my great-grandmother survived. Um, and it's weird being at this point in time at the beginning of things where we don't know, oh, is this the Reagan years 2.0 or a Margaret Atwood novel? We don't understand exactly how bad the Trump thing is going to be. And if it goes the worst possible way, if, if this does end up in a situation where like, our civil rights are being, like, in a very significant way, abrogated, it's important to look on the bright side and remember that significantly increases the likelihood that someone will win an Academy Award for playing me. <laughs> like, if we get put on trains and sent to camps, I want you to think about the sheer amount of weight loss, gain, and then loss that actor would have to go through. <laughs> That's not a dumb bit. <laughs> I'm sorry for working through material for you guys. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Recently, thank you for telling me that it was fun. What is your name? Matt. Oh, you were the one who said it was fun? I thought it was Bell Bottoms. I don't know. I'm so glad the people listening to this podcast are able to go through this magnificent journey with us. <laughs> Recently, I went to a wedding. I flew from Los Angeles to Seattle. The plane landed, I rented a car. I drove that car to a boat. I drove the car onto the boat. The car sat on the boat for two hours. I drove the car off of the boat, and then three more hours down a peninsula, so far away from everywhere else, that when the wedding was over, they expected me to camp on the ground until the next day. That is more effort than I have ever put into one of my own relationships. <laughs> At the end of said wedding, they did not give me cake. They were adorable. They had their little mini donuts, or their brownies, or their browned butter Rice crispy treats. No, that is not okay. When you go to a wedding, there is a social contract that says, in exchange for going through all of this trouble and buying these people a Cuisinart, you get to eat cake and no one could look askance at you. The amount of ritual involved is directly proportional to the acceptability of eating cake. If you are eating cake simply because it is Thursday, that is not okay. You have a problem. If you are eating cake because you are celebrating all of the February birthdays at work, that's more alright 
still potentially how this happens. But if I spend an entire weekend of my life going to watch Lindy and Aham pledge their undying love to each other, and then I eat a piece of white cake with strawberry filling, no one can judge me. That was denied to me. Again, not a bit I have worked out. Just something I like to talk about. If only there would have been more thin, white, heterosexual boys on the show for me to talk shit about. Didn't we love that material? Okay. So, are there any heterosexuals in the audience? Yes! Okay. I hate all of you. Um, about 15, 20 years ago, when it became even a concept that we were contemplating, that maybe possibly gay people would be able to get married, you guys started making your hilarious jokes about, ha ha, isn't it funny? When gay guys get married, it will be stylish and beautiful, but when gay women get married, they will wear cargo shorts and there will be 14 dogs there. <laughs> Had your fun little laugh. The thing is, you're right. Gay women are not known for being style-oriented. What they are known for is being competitive. <laughs> While you guys made your silly, cute little jokes, gay women picked up that challenge like a field hockey stick. <laughs> oh, Charming? You want to see Charming? You guys, I sat in the Napa Valley wine country in California in a garden where the food that I was about to eat at the reception was being harvested, while two women, both pregnant, read selections from Supreme Court decisions to each other. I can't compete with that. I can't make a fertility ritual better than that. My body does not communicate with the moon. I don't have witchcraft at my disposal just like pastel bow ties. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you for a very lovely Bridgetown Comedy Festival. I hope you guys had a great time. I certainly did. Thank you very much. Control yourself, you can't